We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Are black cats jinxing NFL football games? And why are gray beards being covered up by men across the country? We'll dive into both of those discussions on a Tuesday home and home. We are radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by zip recruiter. Check out zip recruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter full show for you on a Tuesday. Pete Dammel, Yahoo sports joining us to break down the upcoming college football playoff rankings revealed tonight and a fantastic doubleheader to start the college basketball season. That should be a beauty can't imagine any sport starting better than that. Also, who is Florida State? What are they? Who are they looking for for their next head coach? And reaction from the Dallas Cowboys win on Monday Night Football from our friends at 105.3, the fan in Dallas. Are they a pretender? Are they a contender? They seem to shift back and forth throughout this season. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker, home from the Monday night football game in Pennsylvania, where he survived a near-death experience. We're going to get into the black cat situation in just a moment. But first, I'm just happy to see you alive on a Tuesday, Ross. Tell us what happened. I was afraid for your life. Well, I'm glad you said it that way, Dave. It, it was touch yeah. and go for a while yeah. there. Um you know, sometimes the good Lord blesses you yeah. with certain ninja-like skills that you don't even realize that you have. I was on the sideline last night in the third quarter. Daniel Jones was running to the sideline. I'm always very conscious. I have no interest in getting a torn ACL or torn Achilles. So I'm always very conscious. But Daniel Jones was almost out of bounds. I mean, and he was just strolling, going to run out of bounds. I was ready, but he was just jogging out of bounds. Everything was okay until, I think it was Xavier Woods. Everything happened so fast. But I think it was Xavier Woods' safety for the Cowboys gave him just a little shove that Daniel Jones wasn't expecting. And that, Dave Briggs, is when all hell broke loose. I immediately turned went and ran the other direction. Daniel Jones came for me. I high-stepped. I got hit in the side of the hip. I almost went down. Some may say it was shrapnel. I almost went down. I absorbed the blow in my thigh hip, used that to propel me through the air, high-stepped with great athleticism, landed, stuck the landing, turned around real quick and helped Daniel Jones up like the gentleman I am. I may have been helped a little bit by a parabolic mic guy that got absolutely destroyed, <laughs> flipped up, spun around the air, and took most of the Daniel Jones brunt. That might have helped me a little bit, 
But frankly, it was survival skills that go back generations and generations in my family yeah. that allowed me to survive and be here today to talk with you all. You know, I mean, we always pay service to our troops to put themselves in harm's way to defend our country. But Ross Tucker, the bravery you have represented, you have served yourself with on the sideline for Westwood One on a Monday night. Your sacrifice is admirable. I just want to say kudos, sir. Bravo. Uh, by the way, I thought that your Madden rating should go up. Not sure what it is right now, but thanks to our crack staff here at Home and Home. Turns out you did have a Madden rating in 2005. It was a 74. So I think given the moves last night, the maneuvers, you should easily be pushing for 75 or 76. Nice job, my friend. Nice job. Ross Tucker working sidelines, by the way, for those of you that did not know it, on the Monday night football game at MetLife Stadium between the Giants and the Cowboys, one that looked to be going the Giants' way, all the Giants' way, early on in this one, divisional competition. This one won, I think, five straight going in by the Cowboys. Nine to three it was. Late in the second quarter, about five minutes left in the half, when all hell broke loose. Kevin Harlan with one of the great calls in recent football history as the black cat appeared and changed everything. Listen. He's walking. He's walking to the three. <laughs> He's at the two. And the cat is in the CDW red zone. CDW people who get it now, a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field and the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. And the cat is elusive, kind of like Barkley and Elliott. But he didn't know where to go. Look at, they're trying to corner him. And they got him in the end zone. There are state troopers all around this cat, which now climbs up into the stands. And the fans are running for their line. Now it goes back on the field again. And it's running in the back of the end zone. And it runs up the tunnel. Kevin Harlan, your broadcast partner, is a national treasure factored in a sponsor read there in the red zone, compared him to Saquon Barkley. I mean, this is just absolute brilliance. We don't see calls like that often. Really only one guy that's known for them, whether it's a streaker or an animal or a guy that needs to be tackled on the field. Kevin Harlan's the master, Ross. Well, it was awesome because obviously, you know, I'm, I'm part of the broadcast. So it was Kevin was play by play. Kurt Warner uh, was the color analyst, and I was on sideline. By the way, little factoid, Dave. Last night was the first time the Giants had a quarterback other than Eli Manning start against the Cowboys since October 10th, 2004. And the quarterback Oof. was Kurt Warner. Kurt <laughs> Warner. By the way, Daniel Jones was seven. Daniel Jones was oh. seventh that day. Kind of crazy when you think about it that way. That's bizarre. But yeah, it was funny to be there. And you know, it's you know, just to take you in the mindset a little bit, Dave. <clears throat> I live in Pennsylvania. I actually live in central Pennsylvania, like the Harrisburg Hershey area. So when that cat's out there, my initial yeah. reaction is keep playing, keep playing. No need to slow anything down. He's way down there. And he was in the end zone. They had to play where I could see the cat, and they played anyway. 
But then one of the D linemen for the Cowboys pointed at the cat when the cat was at the other 30-yard line. Like, oh my gosh, we can't possibly have this snap right now 40 yards away. There's a cat 40 yards down there. Let me just say a couple things, okay? Number one, the cat is not going to get down there amongst the 22 giants, okay? The 22 men on the field. (laughs) The cat's not going down there. Number two, if it does, I don't think a player is going to be the one getting hurt, okay? And (laughs) there's no way I can say this nicely, especially after I just realized that Dave Briggs owns a black cat. So I won't (laughs) say what I was going to say earlier about said black cat. Other than, does anybody really care? I mean, it's a stray black cat that evidently lives underneath the stadium. You know, I mean, let's just keep it moving. Keep it playing. Uh, But it was funny to be, you know, on headset uh, when Kevin had the call. He even went further in detail than that. It It was pretty amazing because he's amazing. I will say this, though, Dave. The Giants were up 9-3 and they were going in for a touchdown. Everything changed after that. Everything. They had to settle for a field goal. Then, and there was barely any time left. Then they let Blake Jarwin have like a 50-yard touchdown right down the hash, right down Main Street. And then Daniel Jones, they throw two incompletions rather than going into halftime with a 12-10 to lead. Two incompletions, and then Daniel Jones throws a pick while the Cowboys still have all three timeouts. They end up getting a field goal from it. But much like the Dolphins against the Steelers a week ago, just seeing the body language, I could have told everybody and their brother that the Giants were going to lose that game at that point. I was on the Giants' sideline. They were so deflated. It's 9-3. They're about to go in for a touchdown. Everything changed after the Black Cat. I knew the Cowboys. Cowboys end up going into halftime with a lead, 13-12, all thanks to the Black Cat. Jerry Jones even commented on the black cat after the game. There are people that are wondering whether or not Jerry Jones released the black cat during that game. And there's a lot of other things we can get into about that. I got to upload my resume because I'm going to need a new job. Now that I know my co-host doesn't like dogs and does not have a heart. We will find I like out. Dogs, if Dave, I like, I like, <laughs> I like dogs once a month. I would love to be in a field with a dog. Once a month, frisbee or a stick. That'd be great. All right. We're we're going to continue to discuss this today, I promise. And when we come back after a real quick break, Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports joins us with the unveiling of tonight's college football playoff rankings. Pete, I'm sure, has a leak. He already knows one through six. And also an incredible tip-off to the college basketball season after a quick break. Let's talk about some college football playoff rankings tonight. They're unveiled between a fantastic doubleheader to tip off the college basketball season. Also, Florida State looking for a new head coach after firing Willie Taggart. $20 million fire. Let's talk about it all with Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports. Pete, good to see you. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker. We're going to get to all that. But first, I need to know what type of human being you are. Okay, so this is an important moment in your life. This this is everything for you in my eyes. How I will see you forevermore. Are you a cat guy, a dog guy, or neither one? I'm gonna say neither one. I've never had a pet in my in my in my four decades on earth. Oh. 
God. What's wrong with Pete, you? Why? You are the man, Pete Dammel. This is why he's a regular guest. Dave, <laughs> Pete is a very ah. smart guy. I am a very smart guy. We understand the value or lack thereof. Pete, I love it. Dave, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a single guy. I travel 175 days a year. I can barely like feed and clothe myself. Like I just can't. I, I don't have it in my capacity to have a pet. Okay, I actually feel better about that. That is a reasonable explanation. You couldn't uh, having a dog would be abusive. Even having a cat would be not cool. You'd have to have some creepy person down the hall come take care of your cat. They're in your house. I don't get that. But don't don't you think it's a little odd that Ross Tucker has two daughters, married man, big yard, big house, all that, no pet. It is bizarre that he he carries his media schedule like he does and lives where he does. It it really like is set up for the pet, <laughs> right? Like. It's like I'm living in central Pennsylvania because of my family and my pet. Like that, that it fits the, the Ross Tucker narrative. But I, I don't know. I'm not in the Tucker house. I'm not going to start judging people on their, like, their family <laughs> hey, you know situation. What's funny? You know what's I can funny? probably break down the college football rankings. I'm not going to break down Ross's like, <laughs> household hey, situation. Know, um, I, I, I will. Pete, you and I are sharing a brain. By the way, my <laughs> daughters would like a dog. It's never happening. My wife, <laughs> my wife is uh, – my wife is very OCD, so the idea yeah. of a dirty dog and uh, shedding and all that stuff gives her the heebie-jeebies. Plus, like I said, um, unlike Dave Briggs, we really care about our children, and we like to focus oh. on them and have the attention be on them and their needs as opposed to animals. So um, parent of the like year is pretty much a good way to describe it. Would you go goldfish? No. <laughs> no, no we, we agree on that. We no animals. That. No animals. Hey, speaking <laughs> of animals, Pete, uh, college football teams have mascots. That's about as good as I can do for a transition or a segue right there. Very smooth. Uh, usually the mascots are animals. <laughs> yeah, pretty terrible, actually. Not great. It's all right. Not great. Smooth operator. All right. So how important in your mind, Pete, are the initial college football playoff rankings that come out tonight? And what do you expect them to be? I actually don't think they're very important at all. Uh, there are like context clues that can provide value for five, six weeks from now. But for the most part, I think this is just sort of like network partnership. We'll give you some rankings. We'll give you some embrace debate topics and, will engage our fan base like it's sort of just to me like a mega marketing move that gets overreacted to every week for for a few weeks like we'll, we consider i talk about where alabama and lsu rank it doesn't matter whoever wins is going to be one or two in the following you know in the following week and whoever wins sec is going to get in the playoff so um i mean there are some small things like for the race for four where does oklahoma end up uh how i there are so many teams that have just played brutal schedules um, in, in, in when you look at it. And the, the thing I guess I'm most interested in is like Baylor should be ahead of Oklahoma, right? Because they at least have like a road win at Kansas State. But they played just a like crimes against humanity's bad non-conference schedule. They, they had a non-conference schedule praying to get to six wins for a bowl. Not to be in a uh, not to be in, in any kind of uh, any kind of a playoff chase. So 
it, when, when you look at teams like Alabama has not beaten a team that's currently ranked. Clemson has not beaten a team that's currently ranked. And then the two Pac-12 schools have not beaten teams that are currently ranked. We are going to get uh, a pretty interesting litmus test on scheduling. So I think how the committee views that is going to be probably the most interesting thing about it. But I don't really, I don't like get passionate about these early rankings. It's something to talk about and really not much more. So can we agree, Pete? And, and, and Dave, I want you to chime. Can we all agree that Oregon should be ahead of Oklahoma? And even as this thing plays on, Pete, the Penn State, Ohio State loser and the LSU, Alabama loser, they should also be ahead of Oklahoma. I mean, LSU's playing at Alabama. Penn State's playing in a few weeks at Ohio State. If they lose those games, they should still be ahead of Oklahoma, who lost to Kansas State. It just doesn't seem like it ever works that way, but that drives me crazy. Uh, I do, I do agree. Like, if you look at the the, the body of work for the the one loss teams, I mean, Oklahoma doesn't have any good wins because the Texas win really doesn't mean that much anymore. Now, Baylor is shaping up to be a, a really important game on November sixteenth. Baylor should be in the in the top 10 or the fringe is a top 10 of this poll, like at least based on the fact that they have one, what we would deem quality win going up and winning at K state, which Oklahoma couldn't do. So I would think all rational science point to Baylor being ahead of Oklahoma, right? Like, am I, do you guys disagree with that? No, I don't. No. I, I'm, I'm most interested in where Oregon falls in this. Cause I feel like they're the ones who feel to me like they're going to get robbed despite a pretty impressive body of work Good defense. Boy, did they rip USC. They can put up points. I think Oregon's an underrated team. Uh, Want to move on to the situation in Tallahassee. FSU moving away from Willie Taggart uh, through his second season. Not even through it yet. $20 million they had to raise to buy out he and his staff. Who is Florida State today? I think we're used to the Bobby Bowden uh, seminal picture from so long ago that was top five for 14 straight years. Who are they now? What type of coach can they attract, given the economics? So I'm going to give you guys some breaking news today. Uh, it's not going to be Bob Stoops, so stop talking about it. That was like the buzz of Twitter last night. And the reason why it's not going to be Bob Stoops is the reason why it's not going to be a ton of other high-profile coaches um, that they would target and covet. So Bob Stoops, when he was at Oklahoma, had one AD and one president the entire time. That may have changed with the president like right at the end. But I don't even think so. I think it was for however, like almost 15 years Bob Seuss was there. He had the most aligned, stable, and supportive administration. And the more you, the more I've, the longer I've done this and the more I've gotten to know coaches and ADs, they, they talk about alignment more than it's, more than it's lip service. They talk about alignment like it's a real thing because they know they need that stability to go forward. Florida State has no stability. It's it's being run like like a bandit Saturday Night Live sketch uh, 1980s college football program. Like there is like the the meddling Seminole boosters with the shadow AD. There's an interim AD who came from the campus side. He's like a former political guy who is the chief of staff of the current president. And then there's the current president. All three of those guys, Andy Miller, James Thrasher, and Coburn, are all leaving likely within the next two years. So you're basically trying to get 
you know, a coach who's like a $7 million a year guy and telling him to just jump into the complete unknown. And the fact that FSU has been so antiquated has really hurt them. They had a perfectly fine AD in Stan Wilcox. They hire Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart seemingly was more of the choice of some of the other factions soon after Stan Wilcox leaves for the NCAA. I joked in my column on Yahoo this week, there aren't a lot of people leaving a top AD job voluntarily to go work at the NCAA. Like, it just that's just not a good career path. No, nobody coming up through college athletics is like, man, I want to go to Indianapolis and be a policy wonk and work for the most unpopular organization in sports. That just doesn't happen. So essentially, it was a sign where Stan Wilcox looked around and was like, mm, I don't really think this is like the most stable long-term place. And if I'm not going to be in charge, what's the point of being in charge? So FSU whiffed wildly on AD after AD in its last search, comically. It was a little bit like the Auburn search where they ended up with the guy from Buffalo at the end. Florida State should be able to get a really good athletic director, and they haven't been able to do that. So the president shoots his guy over there, and then it becomes more muddled because uh, that guy doesn't know what he was doing. He doesn't know anything about athletics. So long story short, Florida State's a mess, and I, I put together a, a, a list of you know replacements on Yahoo this week. It's, it's topped by... Franklin, Cristobal, Rule, Fleck, and Matt Campbell. And I don't think any of those guys will go because of the reason there. So I think you're in like a Mike Norvell, Mark Stoops, Scott Satterfield-ish, you know, maybe Brent Venables or Tony Elliott if they want an assistant. But I think they're going to want an established head coach because things were went so poorly under Willie. So that is like a state of the union of Florida State as a university and athletic department right now. That may have been way more than you bargained for, but that's where we are. All right, so Pete, here's something I need to understand. Why is there uh, the point, like, why would Willie Taggart have an $18 million buyout? Can you explain to me what these universities, and maybe this is part of the dysfunction you're talking about, but for jobs like this, there are a lot of people that want these jobs. Why do they have to give them these kind of contracts when there's a lot of people that want, I mean, that is insane to me. And I'm surprised they're frankly even doing it. Well, the buyout is something that behind the scenes, the ADs, the agents in that whole world spend so much time thinking about and talking about. Um, and it really only comes up when a coach is getting fired or getting plucked somewhere else. Part of the reason that was 18 at this juncture was that there was just no inch in heck that they were going to fire this guy after two years. So the, the buyout after two years shouldn't matter. And they tend to be on like de decreasing scales. I don't know that the, you know, what it would have been after three and four years off the top of my head, but it would have been precipitously less. So basically if you're paying an $18 million buyout administratively, it's your fault. Like you picked a lemon coach and then you way over guaranteed him. And that's, it's, it's actually pretty simple. Uh, you know, it, it varies greatly uh, by school by school how much of contracts are guaranteed. But a lot of times guys won't go unless their contracts are fully guaranteed. Willie Taggart, I'm, you know, off the top of my head, probably had like a, you know, a, a five-year, $25 million deal. And so it makes sense after two years that it ends up being 17, 18 million. And then I believe both his coordinators were on three. He just brought in Kendall Bryles, the OC, definitely on a three-year deal. By the time you wipe out the staff, you end up around 20, 21 million. Yeah, so both Ross just, and I, yeah, it, it just, I mean, two years is quick to fire a guy, but clearly the direction of that program went south so fast 
they had no choice, especially given the noise the boosters were going to be making. You are off to LSU, Alabama on Thursday for that Saturday game. The president of the United States, by the way, will attend. Who do you like there and why? Well, I, I'm not very political. I'll say this about the president. He's always a logistical nightmare. <laughs> Everyone can agree, a bipartisan agreement, that it will take a long time to get into the stadium on Saturday. So any, okay. of, our, any of our listeners down there in, that, uh, in the SEC belt that are headed over to Tuscaloosa, a lot of little extra time and uh, be ready to get padded down. Um, I, uh, generally, I'm, I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be a great game, a close game. It's a very even matchup on paper. There are vulnerabilities on both sides that maybe haven't been exploited, that we'll get a chance to see. I'm going to give Alabama the edge, uh, assuming Tua is like a, a reasonable replication of the Tua we remember. I feel like this is the game where Alabama's receiving core can really shine. I, I think if there's a dominant position group in this game, it's Alabama receivers. I had you know two coaches. I'm doing a breakdown story for later in the week, and I had two coaches tell me that the Alabama receivers could be the best collection in the history of college football and what Tua does so well is they run through the ball and he allows them in Sark's offense with a lot of like west coast horizontal passes to get ahead of steam and go uh LSU has an excellent secondary it might not be the secondaries of past in some cases uh although there are some elite guys in there that are going to be in first rounders that the, the reason why I think Alabama is going to win is I don't think LSU has the horses up front to pressure Tua. And I don't care if you if you bring back the Honey Badger and Jamal Adams. If you give Tua seven or eight seconds and you have those receivers, they're going to find a crease and get open. And so the loss of divinity to suspension um, and then just a, averages grits LSU up front. Now, they are massive. Alabama's going to have to really not be the Alabama we remember. LSU's defensive linemen are just large human beings, but they're not dynamic and they're not going to get after the passer. And so if LSU can't get at Tua, Alabama will figure out a way to outscore LSU. So I want to ask you, Pete, about the other big matchup of undefeated teams. I'm not talking about Princeton and Dartmouth at Yankee Stadium, although I'd be happy to if anybody would like me to later in the show because that is the the key matchup. (laughs) Uh, But it's Penn State and it's Minnesota and I guess the question there, Pete, is, is Minnesota for real? Like, is this going to be a good game, or, or is Penn State going to uh, pull away from them pretty easily? I think Penn State's going to win, but I do think it's, it's going to be a good game. I, I feel like the skepticism of Minnesota as a team is rooted in two things. One, uh, a lot of people watched them early in the season when they eked out games against South Dakota State and Fresno and Georgia Southern and it was like, oh, Minnesota's not very good and wrote them off. And, and I give P.J. Fleck a ton of credit. They All they've done is gotten better. And they've emerged from sort of that slog of the West as, as, as a favorite to win it. And remember, they smacked Wisconsin at the end of last season and then won a bowl game. And they've really carried on that, that momentum since then. Uh, I feel like some of the skepticism in Minnesota is tied to skepticism of P.J. Fleck. Football and football convention and coaches and, you know, old school journalists – cannot embrace P.J. Fleck because he's different. He looks different. He sounds different. He runs a program completely different than anyone else. But guess what, guys? It works. He had Western Michigan four years ago, 13-0, and and in the Cotton Bowl, which is totally mind-bending, completely mind-bending. That's like 
rare air stuff like Urban Meyer at Utah type stuff. All right. And now here he's done it. He has Minnesota again. They hadn't started 8-0 since 1940. Like he's totally blowing up all these conventions again because he's a good football coach. And he has a team that's good but probably not great playing over itself. I want to ask you about a bizarre story that turned up this past weekend involving Florida State. Uh, Miami defensive back Bubba Bolden, his season is over celebrating an interception. Dumbest sports injury you can think of. Well, whew, that has to be uh, that has to be up there. That's about the only uh, the only thing old school about that Miami uh, Florida State game, which is just completely buzzless and really just useless. Like there was the only the only national resonance of that game was Florida State was so bad they fired their coach. Uh, I'm trying to recall a comparable dumb sports injury. I remember a baseball pitcher once in the clubhouse attempting to rip a phone book. This was a while ago because people actually had in phone half. books around. In half. Yeah. It did not work. Half. It did not work. Who? And he went on the DA. All right. I'm going to look that up while Ross asks, asks you a question. We'll find that guy. All right. So, Pete, I, I don't want I, – I know you have a lot of candidates in your head. I, I that that's not what this question's about. This question's about I'm even seeing this morning that there's all kinds of buzz now about Rutgers and Greg Schiano reuniting. You totally shot down the Bob Stoops Florida State thing. By the way, driving back after last night's Monday Night Football, they were saying that TV stations in Florida State in Florida and Tallahassee were saying that they were closing in on a deal should have it by the end of the week. I'm glad you shot that down. What about Shiano and Rutgers? I think he's been the favorite uh, this this entire time. And it's just going to be a matter of, you know, if both sides want to move forward and make a deal. I, I don't think it's it's been any any secret that he is their target and should be their target. And if they do not get Greg Shiano, it you know, they, it really drops in terms of the caliber of coach that they can get. So um, I think that, yeah, and if that happened, I would imagine it would happen, you know, sometime within the next two weeks because of the early signing period, you're going to want to bring him in and try to revive some of his New Jersey connections and salvage what I can assure you is a terrible Rutgers recruiting class right now. Pete Dammel from Yahoo Sports. Catch him, the Yahoo Sports College podcast with he, Dan Wetzel, Pat Forty. They have got it all covered for you. They will break. Who will coach Florida State now that you took a blowtorch to that entire program? Thank you, Pete. Appreciate the time. Jerry Jones was on 105.3 The Fan this morning, and he, too, is still talking about the cat. Let's listen. Another real turning point now. Uh, the cat that took over. Have you acquired the rights to the cat? Will the cat be there uh, for Cowboy games moving forward? And what's the marketing? What's the marketing strategy with the cat as well, Jerry, to keep the winning going? I've had that cat uh, in a, a big uh, uh, dark space in that stadium, uh, <laughs> maybe ever since uh, Jimmy Hawkel was built <laughs> ostensibly at the end. Well, that was the old stadium, but I've had that cat back in the deep dark spots of that stadium for years just waiting for him to came come out and uh when i saw it going so uh, seemingly uphill for us i told rosie to go down and and uh, unchain him and get him out on the field so uh 
uh, uh, Rosie was scared of him too. You know, he was such a wicked looking cat. I caught him glaring at me and I turned away and I was a half a football field away. That was a scary cat. <laughs> that is excellent stuff from Jerry Jones on 105.3 The Fan this morning. All in on the cat. Let's bring in Kevin Hagelin. He's on 10 to 2, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Kevin, good to see you, man. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Jerry's all in on the cat. How about you? It was 9 to 3 before after 34 9 Cowboys. You can't deny it. I mean, and think about what a genius statement that was. Not only did he make the Jimmy Hoffa joke, he then corrected himself about how Jimmy Hoffa might be buried at the old Meadowlands. So I appreciate <laughs> the factual accuracy in his joke as well. Kevin, do you do you like cats, yes or no? No, I'm a human and I'm a dog person like most humans should be. Okay, Kevin... Ross Tucker does not have a cat and does not believe in having a dog. He has two daughters and a wife in a big old yard. Feel free to judge. Okay, look, if you ever want pressure off of you and your family life, there is no better way, I promise you, to take care of that than to get a dog, all right? You just say, instead of leave me alone, I'm busy, you say, why don't you go play with the dog? Or why don't you walk the dog or feed the dog? This is a no-brainer. Even if you don't like dogs, this will make her whole life better. Got it. Okay, so my issue, Kevin, is that so, – so that's a good selling point, actually. Because my experience with dogs is growing up, going to my friends' houses, and all I'm trying to do is watch Penn State Notre Dame, and the dog keeps licking me, and I can't stand it. And then we're having, we're hanging out. We're having a good time. Uh, Peter, you got to go walk the dog. Okay. So I have to walk down the street with my friend waiting for this dog to shit so that my friend can pick up the shit and we can go back and do some fun and, and have some play. So my okay. experience with dogs is they annoy me with their slobber while I'm trying to watch football. And then they take time out of my day to have to wait for them to shit. So I'm not seeing the value here, okay? Once a month, how about this? I'll start a new company. It's called Rent-A-Dog. Once a month, you can get a dog for 30 minutes. They'll give you a Frisbee and a stick. And you go, oh, he chases the stick and brings it back. And you go, good boy. And then you throw it. And then he comes back, good boy. Okay, that was a good three to five minutes. I'm bored now. You can have your dog back. Here's $7. <sighs> okay, couple things. First of all, I want in on the ground floor of that business. I think you've got possibilities <laughs> there. Secondly, you're kind of describing the process of having a kid, too. I have a son, and let's not pretend like these first couple of years aren't exactly the way you just described having that dog, all right? So, you know, perspective here. Uh, yeah, man, I get a lot more affection. I get 10 times the affection from my dog than I do two of my three kids. Ross is just Your a cold-hearted dude. Your kids are going to grow up to be jerks as teenagers. <laughs> They're going to be jerks as teenagers, and they're too good for you. That dog will love you forever. 
damn right. And that dog greets me every time I get home from work, wants to lick the face, gives me, I mean, I'm with you. Ross is just a bad guy. We can agree on that. But it wasn't strictly the cat that, of course, uh, split this game virtually in half. It's the fact that the Giants, uh, or rather the Cowboys, just seemed to start slow about every week. They went down 12-3. They were down 21-6 to the Giants, down 31-3 to the Packers. Is this a fatal flaw for a team with Super Bowl aspirations? That's a great question, and that has been the talking point all around here, not just this morning, but you referenced the Jets and the Packers game as well, because maybe against a team like the Giants, it doesn't cost you, but ideally you want to move beyond the divisional round for the first time in 24 years, and if that happens, you're going to go up against, you know, whether it's Seattle, San Francisco, Green Bay again, or the Saints, or whoever it is. You can't afford that. You're not so much better than those teams that you can score 34 of the last 40 points like the Cowboys did last night. So that's a fair concern. On the flip side, I would say if this defense produces turnovers anywhere near the level that they did last night, that is going to help balance this team out and maybe get them to where they want to be. But the slow starts are a concern for sure. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. I'll give you another concern that I noticed on the sideline, Kevin. Every time they ran the ball outside zone or stretch play, whatever you want to call it, with Zeke Elliott, it was a guaranteed six yards or more. I don't know why they ever stopped it. And, And I guess that was a frustration of mine as a former lineman. Overall, Kev, was last night's game a favorable performance in your mind of the Cowboys or... Are they about what you thought they were, or was it a negative performance with how they weren't really able to pull away until late when the Giants gifted them a few things? You know, I totally understand the end part of that question, but I'm never going to say a negative performance when you win a road divisional game ever. Like, I don't care how good or bad the team is. I would say favorable because you did see those flashes, and I – I get that you're like, why don't they run to the outside more often? Quite frankly, I want to know why we don't integrate Blake Jarwin into the offense more often. But it's good seeing those flashes as maybe like informational points that you can use in the second half of the season. Like, I really hope they go back and look at the tape and say, we need to get more Jarwin. We need to get more Gallup. We need to go more runs to the outside. And we need on defense to use Jordan Lewis more. I'm hoping that they take those data points and use them in the back half of the season instead of saying, why hasn't that been here in the first half of the season? Talking to Kevin Hagelin, 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He's on 10-2. to um, That game easily could have, probably should have gone another way. When you throw an interception on the first play of the game and the Giants fail to get it in the end zone, in fact, the Cat found the end zone as much as the Giants did last night. Um, Dak Prescott. Who is he? Is he the guy you thought he was coming into the season somewhere around 13, 14? Has he helped his negotiating stance over the course of this season or is it about the same? No, I I think he has helped his negotiating points. I really do. And I saw somebody on Twitter last night say, is there anybody who doesn't think that Dak Prescott is the guy? And if you don't think Dak Prescott is the guy, I'm really not sure. Like, I know that first interception, that was rough. But you look at that pass to Amari Cooper. You look at that pass to Gallup, both of which resulted in touchdown. I think he's moved into the 13-14, probably fair. I think he started to trend more towards, like, 
9 to 11. And if you're getting in the top third of quarterbacks in the NFL, you could win with that quarterback if you build around him correctly. Will he be in the top five? I'm probably inclined to say no. But when you add in the intangibles, this is the quarterback I want to lead my team going forward. I really do. Curious as to what uh, the reaction was or will be about Michael Bennett with the national anthem. I was on the other side, Kev. What did he end up doing? I, I guess he stood, but he wasn't with it. Like what? What happened there? And was that even a, a topic among Cowboys fans? So I think they kind of quashed this from being a controversy leading into it because what they did, if you saw what they did with this contract, is there was an option for 2020 and they restructured his contract so he's free and clear after this year. And it just so happens that that announcement was made right when the decision was made that he would stand for the national anthem. And if you don't think those two are connected, I don't really know what to tell you. So he went out and stood for the national anthem for the first time in three years. And I think that's directly a reflection on the business aspect of it. So it gained a little bit of traction leading into the game but not as much as you might have guessed. And then people haven't really been that hot on it locally as much as I've seen nationally. So he was out there, he stood, and it was a business decision for him, I think. Yeah, I see a picture on Twitter just now standing next to Lawrence and Collins, kind of behind most of the group, but clearly standing. How big a difference maker was he on the football field? No, absolutely, because one of the things that we've talked about time and again is this defensive line, their biggest problem is, I know people get caught up in quarterback hurries or sacks or pressures or all of that. The biggest problem that this defensive line has had is consistently winning the line of scrimmage. And with Michael Bennett, you brought in a player who can play inside or outside and has an opportunity to help this defensive line consistently win the line, uh, win the line of scrimmage, which is what you saw in the second half. And quite frankly, that's why they won. All right, Kevin Hagelin, 105.3, the fan in Dallas. Catch him 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. If you're not in the Dallas area, just download the radio.com app. You can listen to their broadcast for free. Good to see you, my friend. Absolutely. Catch you guys after the next Cowboys win. That'll do it for us. I want to say a happy birthday to Odell Beckham Jr. Could you get him a few targets and maybe a touchdown for his birthday, Baker Mayfield? Stop wearing that yard sale clothing while you're at it that'll do it for us today for ross tucker i'm dave briggs tomorrow pro football focus joins us top graded players week nine and somebody who hates red zone yeah that person is out there he joins us tomorrow We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 